And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Welcome. Merry Christmas. We're glad you're here. And uh, we've got an exciting message today. In fact, today's Unto Us, and I'm titling it uh, today. Uh, I just want you to be ready. It's the zeal of the Lord. How many of you guys know what zeal means? I know you know what zest means, but zeal, we don't use that word very often, but uh, in the scripture, actually I was reading Isaiah 9, 6, and honestly I've been, I've been preaching uh, Christmas messages for over 20 years, uh, but I love how God makes them come alive in different ways every single year. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit does, is you can read the Bible, you could read something 20, 30, 50, 100 times, and there's still something he's teaching us through the same scriptures, so that's how good God is. It's, it's such a uh, simple yet deep and profound book, and so only the scripture, only the only the Bible uh, is that way. So today I want to share out of nine, uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. I want to read this. This is our theme. This is the heartbeat. But I want to really just focus on one sentence, if I could do that today. Uh, so let's start in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from the time forward, even forever. And here's the sentence we'll focus on today. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, there's a few things. First of all, the zeal. And second, the Lord of hosts. Um, do you know what hosts are? What, what are hosts? Angels, Okay. Hosts are angels. So the Lord, God is the Lord of everything, but including he created angels, he created us, he created the earth, he created everything. Uh, but I love the way this is written. I've never seen this before, and, and all the times that, all the many times I've read this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, zeal in the Bible is interesting. It's an interesting word. Um, it really, it has to do with, you know, you're passionate about something, you're, uh, you're excited about something. And all through the scripture, when it talks about the zeal of the Lord, most times in the Bible, it's talking about it, well, we look at it in the negative, uh, but for God, it's always positive. God is always excited and, com and compassionate and passionate about his truth and, and what he says goes. There's no changing the Lord. He's, he's the same today, tomorrow, forever. But a lot of times what you, we see when you see this word, the zeal of the Lord in the scripture is, is God is standing for his truth. He's standing for who he is and his heart and his truth. But many times we don't want to hear it. All right, so many times Israel or us, God would say something and we'll disobey or we won't listen or we'll walk away. So the zeal of the Lord will, will continue to be exactly the way it is, but we, we look at it as a negative because uh, there's consequences when we don't obey or we don't hear, or we don't heed his voice. So a lot of times you're seeing that uh, zeal can be out, of, you know, we look at it as uh, maybe a jealous anger because God wants us to have the greatest and the best, the truth of what he wants to give us. He wants, truly wants us to receive the goodness of God, uh, but we don't. And so there's, there's obviously consequence of that. So that's one way it's written. But in this scripture, the zeal is written uh, actually in the other way. So the Hebrew word is actually uh, in the positive, And it's really about his 
his passion and his excitement about his commitment. So it's a passionate commitment. That's what the zeal means. It's a passionate commitment. I love the way it's written. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He will perform what he just said. He is going to send a child. He is going to send his son. Unto us he will be given. He's promising, look, this is what I'm going to do. I promise you. I'm, I'm, not only is he promising, but he's so excited that this is going to happen. And this is way, way before it actually happens. Uh, but we begin to see that God's zeal and his excitement is really for us. In fact, uh, if you could define Christmas, it's this. Christmas is the Lord's passionate commitment of his son sent for us. It's his passionate commitment. A lot of times we don't think about God in this way. We think about the Lord being maybe, uh, maybe you, you come from that mindset of, well, he's just trying to get me or he's, he's, judge, he's judging me. And look, God is a great judge. He's always right in his judgment, but, uh, but he's, also, uh, he's also passionate and exciting and joyful and loving. He's all of those things, by the way, and he can do them all well and balanced. So it's not just one. He's, just, he's not angry and he's, and he's not just joy. He's, he can be all of those things at the same time and be perfect in execution of all of those things. And so that's who God is. So today, I want you to focus on how excited God is, how excited the Lord of hosts, his zeal from heaven, his passion from heaven to, to perform this beautiful miracle of the Messiah, the son that he's going to send. And that's what we're going to focus on. Now, if you know anything about zeal, if you, if you don't really understand the zeal, let me bring it right home for you. How many of you have kids, grandkids, grandbabies, kids? How many of you know kids? All right, 100%, we're good. So zeal would be this. When you give a kid the, a present on Christmas, it is crazy, isn't it? Wrapping is flying everywhere, depending on what age they are. You know, if they're young babies, they're putting it in their mouth and they're eating it, and the box is good enough. It doesn't matter what's in there. Uh, but when they start getting, you know, three, four, five, eight, 12, 64, you know, they just, it gets a little crazy, doesn't it? We're all big kids. It's just, it's a fun time. You know, that zeal, that squealing, that, ah! Or the, you know, my kids are like this. They, right now, they're at that age. Where they rip it open, they put it down. They rip it open, they put it down. They didn't, I don't even think they saw the gift. They just want to keep going. They just get so excited. That's what zeal's like. Or maybe uh, you're getting ready to have a whole bunch of people around your table, around your tree, or maybe you're going to celebrate with your family. Uh, you know, it's, it's just an exciting day. We look forward to this moment. We look forward to Christmas. We look forward to blessing our kids and our family and our loved ones. It's just such an exciting moment. And that's, that's kind of the idea. Of course, it never measures up to God's excitement for us, but that's the idea. There, there's this great expectation when you bless. There's this great expectation to give that gift to that, your son, your daughter, your, your spouse, and you give it with such expectation. You want to see the, the smile on their face. You want to see the excitement. Well, imagine what it would be like for the Lord of hosts when he gave us Jesus the expectation, the excitement of giving us his one and only son, the Messiah, Jesus himself, who's always existed, always been at the right hand of the Father, but for a moment he steps out of his Godhead and he comes and becomes like us. Oh, the excitement, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. And I want to show you in Scripture how exciting this is. Now, don't get focused on because our mind immediately goes to, well, this is what, look, I want to show you that God is emphatically in love with you. He's excited to send his son to you. And that's my first point, is the zeal of the Lord to send his son. It's, it's exciting. First John chapter 4, verse 9, let's start there. It says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son to the world so that 
that we might have eternal life through him. Now, I love the scripture because it shows you God showed us how much he loved us. Put that in your heart and your brain for the rest of your life. He's showing you how much he loves us. That's how much zeal he has. I'm sending you my best. I'm sending you, I'm bankrupting heaven because I love you. Look, in fact, it's written in this way, if you want to think about zeal in this way, the only way you know what love is is because God the Father sent his son, which is love. It's not like love. It's not an aspect of love that you can understand. It's love in its totality. It's found in the Messiah. And he sent it to us, unto us. I'm giving you my son. That's how excited he is. In fact, uh, when I was reading this, and uh, just, uh, it was weeks ago, I was getting ready for this message, but Isaiah 9, I was reading that last sentence, the the zeal of the Lord of hosts. And I I don't know, the Lord of hosts never really popped out on me when I read it. I just kind of, actually, I think I stopped reading uh, at uh, forever, from that time forever and evermore. I think that's where I stopped. But the next sentence was, uh, for the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And I thought, well, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all the angels. And then I think about Christmas and everything we know about the, the, the son that was sent unto us is, it was pronounced by who? Angels. You know, God didn't accidentally, of course, this is one of his names, the Lord of the hosts. He didn't accidentally put that in Isaiah. It was purposeful. God knew that he was going to tell the world that his son was here through the angels. He knew that thousands of years before it happened. And he said, the Lord of hosts, with zeal and compassion and excitement, and maybe you don't see it that way, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. He was excited to send his son for you and for me, for all of us. For every human being, that's the God that we worship. He is so in love with you. He's got a smile on his face. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when you receive this beautiful gift that was sent unto you, he is so excited for you. Not just excited in a way that you can't connect. No, everything changes through the Messiah. Everything changes through the Son. He was so excited to send him to you. Watch this. Luke chapter 2, verse 820. You probably have read this passage to your kids for Christmas. If you haven't, look, read it tonight. Read it at Christmas morning around the the tree. Look at this, starting in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. That night, there were shepherds standing in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to the people, the Savior, yes. That's not what happened, is it? The zeal of the Lord of hosts. God sent his angels. He sent an angel first to announce it, but then he sent his angels. Look at this. I bring you good news that will bring people joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Savior, yes. This is the moment. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find him, a baby wrapped snugly in strips, lying in the manger. Suddenly, suddenly. That sounds like urgency and excitement, doesn't it? Suddenly. The angel was joined by a vast, everyone say, host. How many, you think? The armies of heaven. That's a lot of angels. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels singing the same 
thing, singing the armies of it, God praising and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And none of them, all thousand of the armies were off pitch. None of them. (laughs) Perfectly sang. I mean, I love Christmas songs, but you know, I can't sing, and some of you can't sing. Some of you can sing. Thankful for Eric and Marlene and the team, because they can sing. But be thankful the music's loud, is all I'm saying. (laughs) But thousands of angels came and sang, sang. Do you think that was a boring worship time? No, no. The Lord of hosts sent his armies and the armies proclaimed and praised with zeal and passion. Do you think it affected the shepherds? Oh my goodness, let's read it. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Now maybe you don't think that's a huge deal, but they're at work. They're at work guarding this flock, guarding the sheep. They're at work. You go to work. Maybe Anybody got to work Monday? Let's try it. All right, let's do it. You go to work and just say, I just saw a whole host of angels singing, praising my God, and they said he'll be wrapped in a manger. I'm going to see. Clock out and go. That's what they did. They said, look, this is amazing. We just saw the glory of God. We just saw a host of angels praising and bringing glory to the Messiah, and he was just born. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem, they said. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. Then they hurried. They hurried. The zeal of the Lord. Look, it affected them. By the way, the shepherds weren't, they didn't know the Messiah yet. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone, everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You see, this is what the zeal of the Lord does. It affects us. When you start to see a God that loves you compassionately, lovingly, kindly, gently, with all goodness, with all love, with all joy, when you start to see the God that we worship for who he is, it affects us. I love how the shepherds not only said, we have to go to Bethlehem and see it, but then they came back and they started worshiping at work. You read it. It's what it said. They went back to their flocks, praising and worshiping God. They went back telling everybody about what the angel had said, and they were astonished. That's right. People can be astonished about God that you worship. The same zeal from the God of the universe that sent Jesus can be inside of you, and it can change your coworkers and friends and family as well. God was excited to send his son to you and to me. He was excited and passionate, and I love, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, I love that it says that the Lord of hosts will perform this, and boy, did he perform, didn't he? I don't care how much you cheer at 1 o'clock for the Steelers, it will never match an army of heaven singing and worshiping God. Now, I pray that they win. Somebody get Sam Button a Steelers shirt. 
for the love of God. He's playing with a Patriot shirt up there. Next time it happens, you tackle him down. Take him down. I'm just kidding. I love Sam. Sam in here? Where's Sam? I told him I was messing with him earlier. He's out there. Sam, I know you hear me. There's speakers out there, brother. We love you, my friend. Just kidding. I'm just playing. We, we, I, I josh him every Wednesday, too. But. So the, the zeal of the Lord sent his son. Second, the zeal of the Lord to save us. Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 3 says this. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. What part of that verse says that he's not excited to save you and me? At the end of the day, God gave his law to Moses. And by the way, you can look at a million other scriptures. I don't have time to go talk about the law, but let me just say this. The law was good. The law was perfect. The problem is, is that you and I can't keep it. I mean, the, the issue is, is if we could follow God and we could listen to God and we could respect him in a way where we honor everything he says, we would have had no problem with the law. But the reality is every single one of us in this room could not follow it. Now, how crazy is this? Look at how, how passionate God the Father is. He sends his son, which, by the way, wasn't created at Christmas time. He was created as a human being, but he's always been with God. He's always been God. He sends a piece of him. Uh, where's Brian at? Brian did a good job of this. Begotten, right? It's a piece of himself. As a parent, you know your kids are a piece of yourself. He sends, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're totally united. They're all interconnected. He sends a piece of the Godhead to earth, to earth. So he removes him from perspective and understanding and seeing. He's still God, but he removes him from the understanding, Philippians says, of the, of the Godhead. And he puts him on earth at, with bodies like ours, with minds like ours, with flesh like ours, with temptation like ours. He places his one and only begotten son on the earth in which we couldn't keep the law. He makes him a human being in which he created. He makes him like his creation and puts him on earth. Listen, church, not one of us in this room, we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all broken the laws of God, every single one of us. There's not a person on this planet that ever was born from Adam and that will ever be born in the future that could keep the laws of God. That's why it says in Romans 8, the law is not able to save any one of us. So we need a Savior. We need a Messiah. We need Jesus Christ. But yet, watch this, not any one person in all humanity could keep the laws except one. Jesus Christ came and lived just like us, lived on this earth, never sinned, never broke any of the laws of God, ever. Yes, I know he's God, but he's also man like us. So he has temptations like us. He has minds like us. He has a flesh like us. Yet he lived perfectly, and he's the only human being in all history that will live perfectly because he is the Messiah. He had to pray like we do. He needed the Holy Spirit like we do. He went to church. Read it. Jesus went to the synagogue. By age 13, he was, he was blowing away the scribes. They were blown away about how much he knew. You know what else? Even though Jesus is the word, let's understand something. As a human being, he read the word. 
Jesus studied the scriptures. He's not ashamed to read his own word. Of course, he is the word. But, you know, as a human, he had to study like us. He read the Bible like us. He prayed to God like us. He had relationship with the Father. He needed the Holy Spirit. It says when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him, just like the Holy Spirit comes upon us. There was times where he had to allow the Holy Spirit to lead him because he's a man, and he's looking to God to, for help. The zeal of the Lord, yes, to send his son. Also, the zeal of the Lord to save you and to save me through his precious son. And that perfect, the kid, Jesus Christ, the, the little kid, the baby, the 13-year-old, and the adult lived perfectly for 33 plus years without sin, and we crucified him. But because he was sacrificed, now we can be saved. You see, we couldn't have our sins forgiven if he didn't live perfectly. And he was happy to die for your sins. Now, nothing about sacrifice is fun to watch, is it? But there's nothing more than God wants than to send his son to save you and to save me and to save, by the way, all humanity. Jesus died for every single person on this planet. And he is so excited and compassionate and joyful every time somebody receives Jesus as Lord and Savior. And finally, the zeal of the Lord to commune with us or to have relationship with us is maybe a better way to say it, but to commune with us. God wants a relationship with you. He desires a relationship with you. He's excited to have a relationship with you. He's not bummed that you're here today. He's not bummed if you had a bad week, bad year, bad decade. He's glad that you're here. It's not by coincidence that you're here to hear his scripture and to hear his truth and to hear that the Lord of hosts loves you and sent his son for you, sent his son to die for you, to save you, and sent his son so you can have a relationship and I can have a relationship with the one true God. That is the most exciting. That's what the angels were saying. I'm sending you good news. So be of good cheer. This is an amazing day. Every single Christmas, you remember this. The zeal of the Lord. He is emphatic about you. He's excited about you. He loves you with all love and joy. And we need him. We need him now more, more than ever. Whether you're saved today or maybe you're sitting here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus. And if you're that person that hasn't, this is why this day was created, was for you. God is zealfully excited that you're here and he wants nothing more than to present to you, give to you, send unto you Jesus Christ, his son, his Messiah, who died to save you. Now, he won't force you to worship him. That's how good of God now he could, because he's God, but he doesn't. He gives you the choice, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would touch you today if that's you. But know that you have a God that is in love with you, that will not stop will not stop seeking after you. And in every way has made a way for you to know him and have a relationship with him, to commune with him.
You ever thought about this? Why, why 33 years? Why that number? It's really a short amount of time today, right? If we lose someone in their 30s, like me, you know, in my 30s. <laughs> you guys are laughing. I'm not in my 30s. Some of you that are coming up on 30. Some of you teenagers, 30 is old, right? Teenagers, 30 is old. It's not old? You don't think it's old? You will when you're 30. <laughs> right? But why 30 years? I and mean, we can all make our presumptions. We can all make our theological assumptions or whatever. But one of them is, right, Jesus is a Jew. And in Jewish customs and Jewish traditions, you couldn't be a rabbi until you're age 30. You couldn't start ministry until you're age 30. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but if you're new to the scriptures, if you read any of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with the exception of where it talks about him being born and the scripture, there's a, there's a scripture about when he's 13 years old and he's blown away the scribes and the teachers of the day. Beyond those few scriptures that we have, everything we read about him being the Lord and performing miracles and healings is done in three plus years. It's crazy how much Jesus did in three years. It's amazing. And it's crazy to me that 33 years, Jesus remained perfect and flawless and never sinned, never bowed his knee to the temptation. And by the way, he was tempted just like you and I. But why? The zeal of the Lord to have a relationship with you. Without Jesus, we couldn't have a relationship with the Holy God. But because of Jesus, we can. He redeems us. And if you look at Jesus' life, what is it? It's all relationship. While he's here on human, it's all about relationships. He chooses 12, and he hangs out with those 12 for three years. Relationally, he's with them. Relationally, he's teaching them. Relationally, he's living with them. Before then, relationally, he's with his family. Relationally, he's going to church. Relationally, he's spending time with God. He's praying to God. Relationally, he's going to the mountain to pray, to ask for help. Relationally, he's looking at people he's never met before, and he's saying, you've been healed. Relationally, he's going to towns and cities, and he's saying, teaching and showing the heart of God. For 33 years, Jesus was showing the Godhead through relationship, through showing you himself, through showing you the truth, showing you love, showing you miracles, showing you healing, showing you grace, showing you goodness, showing you truth. Have you ever noticed that even when Jesus was standing in the face of somebody that was a naysayer or standing in the face of somebody that was lying, remember the woman at the well? She was not telling the truth. And Jesus said, I know you don't have a husband, but you've had five. She didn't go away stomping mad. Actually, the truth transformed her. Because Jesus, the description, the heartbeat of Jesus is he's the God of grace and truth. And truth is a good thing. I don't care what our world says. Truth is what we need. And the only thing that is truth is the one that lived perfectly. And that's him. How crazy is it that God left heaven to come to rebuild a relationship with us? And he loved doing it. You know, some of the things that Jesus said on earth are pretty profound, right? He said, 
If you want to know the Father, what do you say? If you want to know the Father, you see me. He's not saying that I am the Father. What he's saying is we have the same heart. Listen, you won't be disappointed if you see me and the Father. We're this, we have the same heartbeat. We're one. We're united. Then he said another statement. He said, hey, when I go to heaven after they crucify me and I raise from the grave on the third day, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to talk to the Father and I'm going to ask on your behalf to send the Holy Spirit to you. And we, my Father and myself, will send the Holy Spirit and He will be your helper. And this is where we get God will never leave you or forsake you because He'll, this is now the temple. This is now where the Holy Spirit will be. This is where God will dwell. Relationship. Isn't that crazy? Relationship. God cared so much about a relationship with you. He not only died for you, the Father and the Son are not only talking. In fact, the Bible says Jesus is constantly talking about you, interceding for you, praying on behalf of you. That He also sent God Himself, the Holy Spirit, to live and dwell with you, to help you, to help me. Look, He knows we're not going to always get it right. But He's even gone beyond to say, look, I'm there with you. When you fall, I'm going to be there to pick you right back up. When you make a mistake, yes, every relationship, when you make a mistake, you say, I'm sorry. You repent. But I'm right there to help you. I'm right there to lead you to what? Lead you to what? Truth. I'm there to lead you to truth. You know the best relationships that you can have outside of God, of course, with God, but outside of God, the best relationships you can have are people that are truthful to you and respect you and honor you and you could be transparent with. Well, how amazing is it that God has such a zeal for you and for me that he sent a piece of the Godhead to live and dwell with us, to help us. That is 100% truth. That is 100% all-knowing. That is 100% the heartbeat of God. I don't know about you, but I love it when Jesus talks. I love it when there's a host of angels singing about this Messiah that was going to come. It's exciting. Please don't ever let Christmas get stale. Look at it from the heartbeat of God. God was excited to send you his son. He was excited to save you, and he will always be excited to live and have a relationship with you. Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd. And the sheep will hear my voice and the sheep will know me. Do we have any shepherds in here? That's what I thought. Not a one. But he wasn't talking about sheep, was he? Although you can understand if you're a shepherd, you want to take care of the sheep. If a, if a sheep is going astray, you're going to go after the sheep and get the street. If, if a sheep's getting attacked, like the shepherds that day, they're protecting the flock. That's what God does for us. And if a sheep gets lost, I'm going to leave the 99 because they're safe and they're okay. And I'm going to go get the one. Why? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he's chasing after you. And if you're here today and you're still running from God, stop. The good shepherd's saying, I'm right here. 
and I'm ready to embrace you and love you and receive you if you'll receive me. He is excited to have a relationship with you. The zeal of the Lord of hosts wants to commune with you. Finally, one of the craziest things I think Jesus said was in his last moments, Matthew chapter 26. You can turn there. You can just hang with me. But right before he died, he had dinner, just like you're going to have dinner, just like you're going to have people around your table that you love. Jesus, before he was arrested and crucified, he said, hey, guys, let's sit around for one more dinner. And they broke bread and they passed a cup around. And Jesus said, hey, this is about, you know, we take it in reflection looking back. They were taking it in prophetic saying, this is what's about to happen for all humanity. My body will be broken and my blood will be shed. And that's what happened. But look at what God said in Matthew 26. He said, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now or until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Have you ever thought about that when you take communion? We take it right now, not just to reflect, not just to remember, but the reality of this is what Jesus continually does for us every single day. His body was broken and every day it impacts you. Every day it heals you. Every day it transforms you. Every day it brings freedom and wholeness to your body. Every day, his broken body. That's how excited he is to have a relationship with you. Every day, God is part of your life and he's helping you. Every day, his shed blood is cleansing our sins. Every day, what Jesus did on the cross and his blood being shed, it changes everything. It has reshaped us. The Bible says you're a new creation. The Bible says you're now sons and daughters of the Most High God. The Bible says you are now seated, seated on my heavenly throne. This is what God says about you. Why? Because of what Jesus, our Messiah, has done for us. Unto us, the Son's been given. Unto us, He's been sacrificed. Unto us, a relationship with the Most High God is possible because of the redemption through Christ. Because His body was broken and His blood was shed. And Jesus says, you know what? The next time we're going to sit around this table and have this meal, the next time we're going to do this, it's going to be in my dad's house. So today when you take it, be of great cheer. We have good news. We're taking it today in thankfulness and gratefulness of the one, the Lord of hosts, the one that is so excited to be the Lord of our lives. But we also take it with great zeal, knowing that God, not only will I worship you with all my days on this earth, but there's going to be a time. There's going to be a time when the bride, the church, sits with the groom and takes us anew with him. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to sit at that table. It's going to be pretty, I don't even know what it's going to be like because it's way above my pay grade. But I trust him. You ever thought about this? When you take communion, I want you to think about this. Every day, Jesus Christ has a conversation with the Heavenly Father about you and about me every day. And if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus, you need to know that He knows your name because He made you. 
He created you. Before you were even born, He knew you. And yes, He desires to have a relationship with you. Yes, He desires for you to receive this amazing gift of salvation, but you have to receive it. But you could do that today. You could do that right now. I can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. But I'm leading you to a place to say, God, I surrender. I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for going to the cross for me, and I'm receiving you as Lord and Savior. That's all you got to do in your own words. Please, in your own words. And by the way, you can't mess it up. Even if you say it wrong, God knows your heart. So please don't let that be a something. Oh, I didn't say it right, so I'm not saved. No. If you want Jesus and you're giving your life to Jesus, just say it in a way that's pure to you and it's done. And so today we're going to take communion. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just got to be a follower of Christ. He has to be your Lord. And if that's you, you're welcome to take it with us. We're going to take it as one body. We're going to take it together. So as you come up, we're going to do, we're going to sing some worship. What's great about this scripture, and I, I forgot to mention this, that Jesus said, look, I'm going to take this with you in my father's house. The very next verse after that says, they sang and worshiped him. They praised him. So why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you real quick. And then you can come up and if you're new to this church or you haven't taken communion with us, there's two cups. The top one is the juice or the blood and the bottom one is the body. So please take both cups, take them back to your seat and we'll take them together here in a second. But grab your cup, get back to your seat and then let's, uh, the team will lead us. Let's just worship. Let's bring praise. Let's bring glory. Let's exalt his name before we take communion together. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray for anyone in this room. Lord, if they haven't confessed that you're the Lord of their life, Holy Spirit, meet them right there. Holy Spirit, lead them. May they sense and feel that you're talking to them. Lord, may they sense that that this day today, today's the day of salvation. Lord, how crazy is it that the Lord of hosts made this day today for them? For them. That on this day in 2019, I became a follower of Christ, a new creation. And so Holy Spirit, speak to them. Lord, for us as your body, we want nothing more than to exalt our King. Nothing more to say, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Lord, we honor you. We exalt you. And Lord, keep our hearts. Lord, if there's anything that I need to repent for, I'm going to do that. Lord, I don't take communion in in an unholy manner. I take it in a manner that's worthy of your praise and worthy of of you, including my life and my decisions and all of those things. So Jesus, we come today and we honor you as King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, everlasting father you are our god and we are your people in the mighty name of jesus everyone said all right please come come on down the middle grab a grab a remember two cups take them both and then head back to your seat